Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. It was about three hours ago. Holy Spirit, help me. Three hours ago, I'm praying, preparing. My wife's getting the kids ready. I'm just worshiping the Lord, finishing the last touches of my message. And I just feel restless, like tired. My body's not feeling good. And uh, I remember just laying down, like literally laying down, face down on, on my den floor, just asking God, why me? Like it shouldn't be me. It's just a natural question I had, Lord, why me? Why did you call me to do this? And, and, and I felt peace. I don't know why. I just felt peace. And, uh, and I feel like I needed that peace for this message that I'm going to share today because we're going to go deep tonight. And listen, no matter how deep we go, no matter how moved you may feel, I'll even dare to say that no matter how much the Holy Spirit speaks to you, that you will not be healed. You will not find that freedom unless you make an effort. So, tonight, as we stay standing for a little bit, I want to talk about trauma, like real trauma, real pain in our life. There's all sorts of trauma in this place, like you've been through it like we get it you've been through it there's there's people that have gone through it since they were a child certain things happened to you as a child that you're dealing with there are certain things that may happen in your adulthood and maybe you may have found freedom of this trauma but somehow some way the enemy still throws it in your face what does trauma do to a person? It makes you disconnect. It makes you push. It pushes you away. I know it made me angry, frustrated. It made me bitter. There were times where my trauma in life, it almost felt like I had no faith and it just completely jacked up my whole theology. I didn't see God right. Some people causes you to leave churches, walk away from church. There are people in this place that what you've been through in your life now gives you these suicidal thoughts. Like real suicide, this is something that you deal with. Your anxiety comes from somewhere. Your depression comes from somewhere. And this is the toughest one, in my opinion. Ready? Is acceptance of all of that. You just accept the very idea. And this is what you say. It is what it is. Because people tolerate me, I'm just, I'm cool like this. It is what it is. It will always be this way. This is just who I am. And acceptance is just as bad as a lot of those other things. So tonight, so to speak, before we pray, which we're about to pray right now, I I ask you this. Listen. You allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I'm but a man. I'll be sharing words. But it is only by the Holy Spirit that will put those words inside of your spirit. That you will experience real, true freedom. Because listen, there is freedom in this place. Some of you have been living in a prison cell and the doors are wide open. You tonight, you're going to get the courage. You're going to get the faith. They're going to walk out of those doors and you'll never go back. 
So all across this place, if we could just lift our hands and pray, Father, we thank you, Lord. It is only by your grace, it is only by, God, the word that will set us free. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be with us, so you would allow us to reevaluate our hearts. In this time, we focus on you, no one else. All the work, all the preparation that I put in, just to put myself aside to let you touch your people. I am but a messenger. Will you deliver these words from my mouth into the hearts of your people? And I pray, God, that there would be freedom in this place. In your mighty, precious name, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You guys may be seated. I want to honor... Um, the people that provide provision for us, that uplift us, they pray for us, they give us their time, their lives, and our pastors, our lead pastors, president of the, ne of, of the Reach Network, Pastor Omar, Sishaleti, we love you, God's cup bearers, armor bearers, the, the Romans, the Santiago's, we love our youth pastors. If you have youth in this place, I need to hear you shout the loudest. We appreciate Pastor Jacob and Linda, amen, that's right. Our worship pastor, Pastor Omar Lopez Jr., where you at? Man of God. Mm. And, uh, and I want to honor my wife. I love you. My goodness. I, uh, yeah, hearing her lead worship, it just never gets old. It's like falling in love all over again. The first time every time. It's crazy. My goodness. And just those words, boom, you're pregnant in the name of Jesus. <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on, somebody. All right. Hey. My son is tough, man. I wanted a big family, but this kid, he, I'm telling you, he is a strong-willed individual. This kid literally, like, knocked me off my horse, but I ain't no punk. I'm down for another one. Yep. I'm down. It's cool with me. So we're going to read out of John chapter 5. And uh, this is the gospel according to John. This is uh, not John the Baptist. This is John the Revelator, John the Apostle, uh, John of Patmos. John wrote this. He was an eyewitness of the life of Christ. John also wrote John uh, 1, 2, and 3. He, was also, he also wrote Revelation. John wrote this wild encounter between Jesus and a man. And as I share this, we're going to unpack it. I'm going to give you my exposition on it. And uh, it's, I believe it's a powerful word. That, that we're going to see. So this, in my estimation, this account is crazy. In John chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, we're going to start there. It says this, After this, there was a feast of Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, that's important, which has five roof colonnades. Now that's also important. For those of you guys that are familiar, a lot of people here know uh, the world-renowned church, especially in America, Bethel, uh, the popular for their, for, their, for their worship, is Bethel, where, where we're, we're going to study Bethesda. The word Bethel, if you guys know, it means house of God. And also, you think of the place called Bethsaida, where Jesus had found some of the disciples and he called them, that place is called house of fish. Now, this pool in Aramaic is called Bethesda, where, where, where Bethesda means house of mercy. That's important. This place in the pool is called house of mercy. Verse 3. In these, real quick, in these lay a multitude of invalids. This word invalids in the proper context regarding the scripture means sick. In these pools, in this house of mercy, 
lay a multitude of sick people. And it says the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Now John said that he said he shared this specific text. He said that there was a feast going on. Before anything, he said there was a feast going on. And so if you understand that during these feasts, a lot of people would go to, a lot of people were in Jerusalem. They're celebrating with their fellow brethren. And, and so this pool is packed. Even though it's only full of sick, sick people, this pool is packed. I mean, think about Disneyland on a weekend during the summer. Like you just don't go there. It's going to be crazy packed. And if you go, you know what's in store for you, right? So this place is packed. Now understand this. Sick people treated back in the day, it, it wasn't very kind. Like you were outcasted, you did not want to be around them. So naturally, you did not find normal people in this pool with, the, with, the, with, with a bunch of people that are sick, that are invalid, they're, they're blind, they're paralyzed. I'm a, I'm a pictorial person, it helps me understand things. So what I think about at this time, it was to be like if you were to cough or sneeze in public in 2020, yeah. right? Like... Oh, like, it, it, it's kind of like you're outcasted, you're not welcome. This is, this is kind, of, kind of where you get it. Normal people did not come here. Now think about this. This place is called Bethesda. It is the house of mercy, and it is filled with people who are sick. It is the house of mercy, and it is filled with people who are not well. Some of you guys, it's going to register in your spirit in a little bit. It is the house of mercy, and it is filled with people that are blind, lame, and paralyzed. The house of mercy filled with people who are not well. When I think about a modern-day house of mercy, we're sitting in one right now. They're all up and down this street. They're all across Los Angeles. They're all over the country. Modern-day houses of mercy filled with people who are sick. Houses of mercy filled with people who are not well. Filled with Christians and unbelievers who are not well. Your Instagram is well. Your makeup is well. Your hair did as well. The, the body might be rocking. We see you going to the gym. That might be well. Oh, you got surgery, okay. That might be well for you. Maybe your bank account looks solid. Your friendships, maybe they're okay. Maybe even your ministry as well. But listen, you, my friend, you, my brother and my sister, you, me, all of us are not well. That is the truth. You can fool everyone else, but who can't you fool? God. We're going to go a little deeper, just real quick. You can fool everyone else, but not yourself. And it's people like you, it's people like me, it's people that, are, that, that walk into these houses of mercy that are not well. Now, who were the people sitting in these houses? It said the invalids, it said the blind, it said the lame, and it said the paralyzed. The blind. When I think about people filled all across this room, inside a house of mercy that are blind. There are people going to church, but you cannot see right. You cannot perceive right. What did, what did God tell Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6? He says, go and tell these people, you see, but you do not perceive. 
You hear, but you do not understand. There are blind people all across this room, people all in the house of mercy. They cannot perceive right. They don't see God right. You don't even see the scriptures right. No proper biblical worldview so you don't respond to social issues right. And we don't lean into that because, because it, our vision is distorted and we're blinded by our own selfish motives and ambitions. People in the house of mercy, blinded, they don't even see the gathering of the church right. That's why they're comfortable online. That's why they are catered to and they're pandered to. And oh, welcome to our online campus. Jesus, when he went to the temple flipping over tables, I believe if he came back today, he'd be flipping over your cameras with your online campuses. We don't see preaching right. Not being able to tell the difference between your favorite preacher online and the motivational speaker. Listen, the, 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 look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just provoking here. Listen, these worldly actors and, and, these, and these songwriters and these rappers and these singers, they mention God in their acceptance award ceremonies as much as some preachers do in their sermons. Like, th does, does that not bother you? Because inside of me there's this righteous anger that it's just like, we don't see God right. You don't, you don't see godly relationships right. You don't know how to, you don't know how to honor. Your pastor, he's your bro. Like, no, I'm serious. Like, your connect group leader, there's no honor there. You show up and you leave trash all over the house on a Friday night. Like, that, that one hit me. That just came in. That's not in my notes. It, connect group, help me out. I don't complain of them, but Christina, hey, that trash can's empty on a Friday until you guys leave. No, but, but listen, how about this? Like, we don't view the relationship with our connect group leaders right. Some of them, they're not even your leaders. They're just conduit to where you got to go for more ministry. And you use them for your, for your, for your advantages. Listen, man, this hurts me. We're so blinded, and I mean this. We just don't see God right. He's not sacred. He's dope. Remember those t-shirts? Jesus is my homeboy. Now listen, these aren't just empty words. My heart is burdened by, by a blinded group of people all across this place, all across our nation that claim to be believers, but by the actions, they are not. And my prayer is this, that I would be a messenger along with other people crying out in the wilderness that there is a need to turn back to God. Not just a need to have services, but to truly transition to God, to repent of our, naked, of our wicked ways, to respect God, to honor him, to venerate him, to fight for him, to fear him, because he is holy, he is righteous, he is all-powerful, all-knowing, he is beyond what we can fathom. And as a broken vessel, I'm just trying to communicate God's greatest attribute that we are blinded to, and that is his holiness. God of love, God of grace, God of mercy, but yes, he's holy. And we're blinded to that. We don't see, we, we see God wrong. We bring him down to our level. He's beyond these things. And this is what we do, is we desensitize ourselves to the greatness of who God is. So I say this, I say that God is not dope. 
God, Jesus, is not my homeboy. He is holy. He is mighty. He is grand. He is powerful. He is matchless in every way. The beginning and the end, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. He is the great I am, the lily of the valley, the bright in the morning star. He is the one whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He is Yahweh. He is Jehovah. He is God Almighty. That is the God that I serve. And I pray every single day in my human frailty, Lord, will you please expose the wickedness in my heart that you will show me that I will not be blind to who you are. Houses of mercy full of blind people. We see, like, I pray that we push away from, from this religion that is perverted. American Christianity, it's perverted. You cannot preach what we preach outside of our shores. Like, I'm not coming to this gathering. The person living in persecution in the Middle East, the person that is sacrificing their life in China just to hear the word of God, if we're preaching this, yeah, I'm not coming back. My life isn't worth what you're preaching. Preaching in the pulpits, perverted. The envy of other churches, other believers, other ministers, other people in their anointing, it's perverted. Spending more time on social media to hear a word from the social media prophet rather than reading the word of God, that is perverted. Having a title with no purpose, with no anointing, it's perverted. We are but flies at this point. We are but flies in the presence of God, in his nostrils. Just, it, I don't want that. Like, if, if, if that's what the American church has to offer, I don't want it. Like, if you think about all the preaching that we've heard the past decades, all the preaching that we've heard in, 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 in a century, and we have yet to see a revival, a true revival all across our nation, what are we doing wrong? I believe that it takes spiritual renewal to see revival. I believe it takes gospel truth, the purity of the word. It takes God himself. It takes true repentance for those to change their mind, and then God will change their heart. What about people that are lame? Now, I touched on a general aspect of people that are blind, but I'm about to walk through your neighborhood right now. What about people who are lame? And what this means is you are impaired by a weakness. That this weakness is stronger and takes control over you more than your strengths actually do. And some of us here are impaired by our trauma. We're impaired by our pain. This affects your well-being. And your ability to move forward now has been affected. Mental trauma that you really have has made you lame. Emotional trauma. Some of us have been lame since childhood because of an injury from our past. Because somebody that was supposed to protect us may have touched you inappropriately. Because somebody did something to you. They, shouldn't, they had no business doing that to you. These things make us lame. What about adult trauma, the relationships that you've been in, the people that you've trusted, that they, they, they hurt you? What about these people? And lame, listen, you are impaired because of this. What about self-inflicted trauma? It wasn't the demons. It was a result of your own actions. Poor relationships because you didn't know how to be a good steward of those. Your poor marriage self-inflicted your ministry self-inflicted your relationship with yourself 
self-inflicted. You may have regrets. There may be pain that you have to deal with because of what? It's, it's self-inflicted. Am I the only person in this place that it has felt trauma from my own self-infliction? Paralyzed. The blind, the lame, now the paralyzed. What this means is you are, you are immobile to any type of meaningful movement. You're moving, but there's no progress. What happened this year? Did it happen a year ago? Five years? Ten years? No progress. I'm moving in life, but my spiritual life has been dead for years. What about this? Some of you have been paralyzed by fear. 2020 was one of the greatest spiritual attacks that we will see in our generation. Because what did Jezebel say? If not by this time, tomorrow you are not dead. And so Elijah went to go hide in his cave. Oh, but because Daddy Fauci said something, you guys went to go hide in your, in your houses. You put the mask on. You didn't see your grandma. You didn't see your family. Isolated. Because of the voice of Jezebel. Paralyzed by your own insecurities, by your self-doubt. What about your comfort zone? Now, this is where a lot of us Christians are. Paralyzed by our comfort zone. We, don't, we can't grow in our comfort zone. We're not challenged in our comfort zone. And the pain of disappointment, the pain of all of these things won't let you move forward. Now there's pain all across this room. I get it. There is disappointment. There is real trauma from our lives all across this room. But you know what else is in this room? The power of God is in this room. I said the power of God is in this room to touch those who are not well. Freedom is here. It was here before you walked in the room. I shared that it, it, it is a pool called Bethesda, full of sick people. Houses of mercy, full of sick people. Now it says this. It said that it was covered by five roof colonnades. Now if you understand that the biblical meaning of number five is grace. This is too coincidental to be a coincidence. It is the house of mercy filled with sick people, covered by grace. Now, when I think about this church and all of us in our, in, in our brokenness, we are covered by God's grace. Does anybody here want God's grace to intercept that trauma, that pain, and to heal you? Verse 4. Now, I read out of the ESV and the NIV, and any accurate modern uh, translation of the scripture, verse four is not in your Bible. Unless you read New, unless you read King James and New King James, it is not in the Bible. Let me explain why. Ancient manuscripts, um, this verse is not there. A scribe, because the Bible was written down by scribes, he wrote out this occurrence. We're going to read it in verse four. He wrote out this occurrence and said that it should be inserted as a footnote. Not actually in the word of God. It should be inserted as a footnote. But over time, somehow, some way, it got put in. And let me tell you why I don't believe that this is, and we're going to get there, why I believe that this should not be in the word. We're going to get there. In John chapter 5, verse 4, and we're reading out of the New King James Version because it's not in the ESV. It says, for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first... After the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Over time, people started to believe this can't be true. And certain people believed this had to be true. 
Now, historically, we don't know if this actually happened. We don't know if an angel went in to stir the water. We don't know that. We can't say that it did happen, but we can't say it didn't happen. Now, archaeology and history tells us that at the Pool of Bethesda, there was an underwater spring. That naturally, the cracks in the earth, um, it, would, it would bubble up, like making it a hot spring. So that is, one of the, that is one of the reasons why, okay, maybe the angel didn't touch the water. But check this out. Now, if this was true, if the angel did somehow touch the water, which I don't believe it to be true, if it was true, then the sick people that went to that pool every day had a broken view had a broken religious view of God's grace that said this, first come, first served. As if, if I'm not in front of the line, God is not God enough to heal me in the back of the room. Then if I'm not there first, then I got to wait till he comes again. Now, if this is true, that's just bad theology. And if it's not true, then I'm going to keep coming back. Every day, day by day, hoping that today might be the day that I'm healed. How long can you deal with that? How long can you deal with having a false sense of God's grace, a bad theology that makes us keep going back to the same thing, the same thing that will never work? Now, this this type of belief created a false hope in in hearts of the sick people that brought them back every single day. In verse 5, it says this. Now we're back to what the word of God says. As one man was there who had been invalid, who had been sick for 38 years. That is a long time. 38 years. I'm not even 38 years old. I'm far from it still, kind of. (laughs) 38 years. A long time. And also when we read the scriptures more, it says that he was alone. Now he's sick and alone. Naturally, when I start, like I have to process this in my head. Jesus is walking through a bunch of sick people going over and he sees this man. And it, it, this man was sick for 38 years alone. Naturally, I started to feel sorry for this man because 38 years of false hope is a long time. Like that is a long time. Anybody here, uh, people invited you to church and oh, you should have did this. And then you finally get saved and it's just like, man, I wish I did that sooner. Like that, this, is, this is kind of like, I felt bad for the dude because he's believing in a remedy that will never work. And now, like, I believe that the same way I felt bad for this dude is the same way I believe that the Holy Spirit feels sorry for some of us who are not well, who don't have the right theology, who don't have the right faith to believe that you can be made well. And the issue is this. The issue is that you think you are your trauma. You believe that you are your trauma. You give it a name. You make it a pet. You put a leash on it. You walk it outside. It's got a shiny collar on its neck with your name and number on it. My trauma, my sickness, my pain from my past, this is mine. And you've owned it. In 38 years, this man nursed his injury, believing in a remedy that will never work. This man relied on his superstition. This man relied on his false beliefs. What about you? What do you rely on? Your reasoning against the scripture will never work. Your unbelief in a holy God that does exist will never work. This new age philosophy will never work. The crystals that you carry, they'll never work. 
the horoscopes and the enneagrams, they'll never work. Your false religious beliefs, they'll never work. But how about this? Your avoidance of the problem will never work. Your ownership of the problem as an identity will never work. You, look, listen, it happened. Whatever it is that happened in your life, whatever is ongoing, whatever the devil throws back in your face, it happened. You can explain it away all you want. It happened. You can't bury it because when you understand something, you can bury it, but you have to understand that it's just going to come back in another season of life. You got to deal with it. This year, last year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 38 years for this man. In verse six, it says this. When Jesus, I love that. Somebody say, when Jesus. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, Jesus said to him, do you want to be healed? Jesus sees this man among hundreds, if not a thousand people, because there was no capacity limit in those pools. He sees this man that didn't think that Jesus seen him, had no idea who Jesus was at the time. Maybe he's heard about him. Maybe he's heard the news that is spreading across Jerusalem, across the other areas. And Jesus asks him, he says, do you want to be made well? It's not that God can't do it. It's not that God won't do it. Jesus just got done performing a miracle. And now he's going to this festival. And he asks this man, do you want to be made well? To me, that's a little offensive. Like, if I go to the, if I go to the chiropractor and he asks me, he's like, do you want to be made well? I'm like... Fam, am I in the right place? <laughs> like, it, am I going to pay you? Is this free? Like, it, I'm here for a reason. I want to be made well. But I believe Jesus is asking this man this question. Because Jesus knew, like it said in the Bible, Jesus knew about this man. Jesus knew about this man, what he knows about plenty of us here. Is you really don't want to be made well. It was a sovereign choosing of one man. Hundreds of people. And he sees this man. This man was his assignment. And he says, like, why did he start asking him this? How bad do you really want to be made well? All the altar calls that we give. All the wisdom that is bestowed upon you. All of the preaching that we give. All the praying. And maybe you were even healed in that moment, but you go back to that very thing. And he's testing him. He said, you really want this? You know why Jesus is testing him? Because if you get healed now, now you got to go get a job. If I heal you, now you got to put in some work. There are now new responsibilities. If I make you whole, now you got to be accountable. More is now expected of you. You cannot carry that anymore. And this is where people fall off right here. Is, is now that you can no longer beg, people can no longer give you free things. Now it's time to put in work. Are you ready? Like literally, like we be, we're made well now. And like, are you ready to apologize and own that mistake? Are you ready to stop blaming other people? And, and, and this is like, when you're not well, people are going to feel sorry for you. But now that you're whole, you are like, are you ready for a new responsibility that comes with being healed? And because we're not, we walk through those doors with the same baggage. Like, it, you, you, you bring your baggage, you tie it up, you leave it at the altar. 
but you leave the other end of the bag in your pocket and you're just walking. Like, looking like Conor McGregor. Like, like no, I'm serious. Like, this is, this is what we do. Let me, let me baggage, or let me pack it all up. I'm going to church today. And you go, oh, wait, let me grab it. And I'm just going to leave it on, I'm going to leave it on my shelf tonight. Just a little bit. I'm going to take the rest though. And this is what we do. It's like, Jesus doesn't heal partially. partially. Like, it's whole. It's like, I'm completely made whole. Two, two years ago, today, um, you guys appreciate the My Story series that our church does. I love them. So powerful. Those of you guys that have done it, we appreciate you. Thank you. Two years ago, My Story was released. I did a My Story. And, uh, and I've had trauma in my life. Like, I, as, as, a, as, a, as a boy, as a child, there was a man in my life that my mom trusted at the time. And uh, I, I thank God that I was never sexually assaulted, um, uh, molested, or raped. Uh, like, th- I'm thankful for that. But this man, uh, dude was sick. I don't know what was going through his head, but he used to hang me upside down in the clothesline closet bar, like, for hours. Like, I would hang there, and I'd be there for a solid minute. Like, it was, I was good in the beginning, and then I would fall. And I'm landing on my head, and now I'm spraining my wrist. And I thought that was it. And I'm claustrophobic in some places. Like, and that's something that God has healed me from. Like, like, uh, like, I'm no longer dealing with that. But this was trauma that I had that made me angry. I, I wasn't able to trust any, any man. Like, this was something that I was dealing with. That wasn't the end of it. He would turn the hot water all the way on, the shower. Just leave it all, no, no cold water at all. And he would launch me from the door into the shower over and over and over again. And this did something to me. This made me angry. This made me frustrated. This made me, as a young man, when I grew up in church, questioning God. How could a God like that allow this to happen to me? And I came to a place, and I came to the word. I came to all of the healings, all the services, all the friendships, all the accountability, and God made me whole. I no longer deal with those things. Like, there is true freedom when we let those things go. I no longer blame other people. I no longer blame that man. Like, I I am made whole in the presence of God. If I change your life, are you really ready to follow Jesus? Like, Like, think about that. I thought God made you whole five years ago, and you're still dealing with that same thing? God touched you years ago, but you really don't want to be made well. Listen, Jesus questioned this man like he questioned the rich young ruler. Go and sell all that you have. Give it to the poor, and then you can follow me. But the rich young ruler turned away sad because he had many things. He put his idolatry before God. In the same way, in the same encounter that he had another man, and this man, Jesus was calling him and said, well, let me go bury my father. My father is at the end of his life. Let me enjoy the last years with him. Let me bury him, and then I'll follow you. And Jesus, you're not counting the cost, so you can't follow me. And this is what he's doing with this man. Do you want to be healed? And, and if we're going to make a true change in the world, if the church is really going to truly be the light in the darkness, the salt of the earth, it will come by those who have counted the cost. In John chapter 5, verse 7, the next verse, it says this. The sick man answered to Jesus. He said, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another man steps in before me. He didn't make an excuse, even with this false theology, even with this false uh, idea of this remedy. He didn't give him a straight answer. He gave him an excuse. Like, you're crippled, and and you're going to give me an excuse? Now, keep in mind, I'm going to give grace to this man because he didn't know who Jesus was. But what's your excuse? 
Like we know, like we know more than this man knew at the pool. And we give excuses time and time again. Now, if I'm sitting at that pool, if I'm sitting in your seat, if I'm sitting where I am now because I am not well, it is the Holy Spirit. It is by the grace of God that he gives me the strength to come up here and speak this message when I am not well. When I'm on my face, crying on the floor, asking the Lord, why me? He gives, he gives me the strength. If I'm there in this position, I'm like, please, will you intervene, Lord? Yes, I want to be made well. If I got to say sorry, I'm going to say sorry. If I got to give up the drugs and the alcohol that is ruining my marriage, yes, I'll do it. If I got to give more of my time and attention to my family rather than these football games, I'll do it. I'll do whatever if I got to let go of the unforgiveness, the bitterness. But we make an excuse for our trauma. But... And if I want grace to overcome every ounce of trauma that I face in my life today, that I face in my life tomorrow, so on and so forth. We have to stop blaming other people for our trauma, for the pain that has happened to us. We are now, listen, you, you, are, you are covered by God's grace and you are now responsible to make an effort on your own to get the healing that Jesus already died for. So what do you want to do about it? It can't be so-and-so's fault anymore. Listen, I'm, man, I'm sorry if you were touched inappropriately as a child. If the rape happened. If you were no longer able to trust people. Because those closest to you, they abused you. Like, I get, I'm sorry that happened. But do you want to be made well? You cannot blame them anymore, any longer. And you know what? Some of us do this. And this is some of your favorite excuses. It's the church's fault. I'm like this because it's the church's fault. And we put ourselves in this position. I have no one to put me in the pool. And when I try, someone else goes in before me. How long are you going to hold on to something that does not work? Let it go. Like, we have to let it go. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Stop with the religion and go all in with the only person that is the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. It says this. Jesus said to him, get up, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took, off his, he took up his bed and walked. Justin, you do me a favor? And Matthew, you guys do me a favor? Will you guys stand up? Thank you, you sit back down. Listen, it, you can sit back down. It's as simple as this. It was a command, but they made their own effort to stand up on their own. Like, I'm not trying to, like, minimize it. I'm not trying to make it something that it's not. It is literally like, do you want to be made well? Well, then rise, take up your bed, and walk. You will not be healed. You will not experience freedom. You will not experience what God has for you unless you make an effort on your own. You will be left with the decision. Do you want to be made well? Well, you are left with the decision. Listen, I know this message isn't sexy. I know it's not all good and going to get you in your feels. But, but... But I'm, like, I'm pleading with you that you will search deep down in your heart, deep down in, the, in, in that inner man. Let the Holy Spirit work. And I believe what the Holy, the Holy Spirit is asking you, the same thing that Jesus asked about this man, is do you want to be made well? 
Do you want to be healed? You are sitting in the back of a prison with the doors wide open. How long are you going to go hold on to that story? How long are you going to hold on to what somebody did to you? How long are you going to hold on to those accusations and the verbal abuse that somebody spoke over your life time and time again? How long? How long are you going to hold on to the death of that loved one? Honor them. Remember them. God, remember them. Like You can do all of that, but how long are you going to let their death dictate everything you do every single day? You're paralyzed. Next verse, it said, Jesus said to him, get up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. I know it's the Sabbath, but you did absolutely nothing for me. I know it's the Sabbath, but you, where were you when I was 38 years, same, same place every single day? My allegiance is now to the person that saved me. My allegiance is now to the person that healed me. I don't care what day it is. I don't care what the world says. I'm going to do what the Lord says to do. And if it's to take up my bed, if it's to walk, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. Because you know what the bed was for this man? The bed for this man was his testimony. 38 years, right here. Alone, sick, nobody did anything for me. Rise, pick up your bed and walk. Now here's my testimony. And I'm going to walk and I'm going to share it. And I'm going to give it to anybody that needs what the Lord has given to me. We're going to land this plane. Last verse. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, after everything, all the dust is settled, he's healed. The, the, the Jews, they... They were, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? It says this. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Now sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Man, I can hear it now. If we were to tell people that, See, you're made well. Now go and sin no more, lest something else happen to you. Uh, on Fox News, there's a church here wishing death upon people. Like, like you, you, you know what I mean? Like, th these are the words of Jesus. What, what he's saying, he's like, listen, while I deal with your legs, while I deal with your sickness, now I'm going to deal with your heart. Because you know what's worse than being paralyzed? You know what's worse than being sick, being lame and blind for 38 years? Being eternally separated from God Almighty. That scares me. So i rather deal with every single thing that I go through in my life. There's some things that you're just going to have to carry to glory. There are some things you're going to have to deal with and carry until you receive the crown that is laid up for you in heaven. I'd rather carry all of that than be eternally separated from God. What's my assignment? What's my sickness? What do I got to deal with? What hell do I have to go through? But no matter what it is, my allegiance is to the one that saved me. I want to tell somebody here tonight that God sees you. No matter what the world did to you, no matter where you have been, no matter what things you continue to go back to. Some of you ladies, you're not that booty call. Somebody needs to hear that. 
You're more than that. Like, listen, hold on. You're not even that. Some of you men, like, God loves you. You are worthy of a hug. You are worthy of, son, I'm proud of you. You are worthy of, son, it's okay, get back up and walk. I know that you were kicked when you were down. I know that things were spoken over you, but that's not who you are. You may have been neglected of what God's very purpose of parents were supposed to do, which was nurture a child. You may have been neglected of that, but God sees you. And I, and I tell every single person in this place, no matter what you're going through, maybe you've never even been through like a traumatic event in your life. Maybe you've never lost anybody. Maybe you've never experienced any type of abuse at all. Maybe the hardest thing in your life could be that you can't like fill up your gas tank right now. But there are certain things that maybe people treated you a certain way. Maybe small things and you, you don't know how to deal with them. God sees you too. That God's healing is for everybody. Freedom is for those that will say, man, I want to walk in this. I don't want to go back to that thing anymore. I want the healing that God gives. And I want to lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. So, in the presence of the Almighty God, I believe the Holy Spirit is in this place. He's already speaking to some of you. Everything and nothing less. It will always and only be Jesus. Nothing else will work. And he sees you. He loves you. He chose you. And he wants to heal you. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to learn how to forgive? Do you want to learn how to love? Do you want to learn how to steward relationships better? And you feel you can't because of the things that went on in your life. Maybe you don't see God right. Maybe you've had a false belief. Maybe you've been impaired by a weakness. Maybe you've been immobile to any, any meaningful movement. Tonight, I want to lay it at the feet of Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus, we thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, God, that you love people like us, and that you chose us. Holy Spirit, we pray, God, that you would begin to touch the hearts of your children in this house right now. Lord, I rebuke, God, the lies, the doubt, God. I pray we would even put ourselves aside. I rebuke pride that will hinder the work that you want to do today. Your will be done, not ours. Your healing in this place, not what we fabricate, the true healing and touch from you that people need tonight. You're in this place and, and you say, I don't want just healing from my circumstances. I, 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 need, I need a savior. I don't want just salvation from the things I've been through in my life. I want salvation for the only one that died on that cross. You're in this place and you say, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. He is the Messiah. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's you, will you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. The church wants to pray with you. Ushers, if you can help me out. I see one hand here. I see another hand here. Brave souls all across this place. Who else? I mean, 
Heaven is rejoicing. Is there anybody else in this place? You say, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. Maybe you backslid it. Maybe you, tonight you want to get your heart right. There's another hand right here. God bless you. You backslid and you're not. Maybe even anywhere in this word that has exposed certain things to you and you say, yeah, I need to get my heart right today. Will you raise your hand? Last call. Raise your hand. We want to pray with you. Another hand right here. God bless you. Now listen, church, if we could all stand to our feet. If you raise your hand to anything that I said, the church wants to celebrate with you and we want the privilege to pray with you. As you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, will you come join me at this altar? This, I mean, I've done this hundreds of times. I've done it in bigger settings than this. This is a, this is a monumental moment in your life. If you would come here. Ra Rachel, do you mind joining us right here? That, somebody pray with her, please. God bless you. Anybody else that was more hands than that? You raised your hand. You did it all. Why not just join us here? Anybody else? Jen, will you, will you pray with her, please? Praise God. Like, certain things just ain't going to work. And I'm tired of doing the same thing over and over and over. And if I just got to put a little bit of effort to see my faith increase, if I got to insert a little more faith, if I got to insert a little more hope, if I got to go back and do certain things that I have to do in order to view God's grace right, in order to get my healing, then I'm going to do it. And listen, if the Lord spoke to you in any part of this message, will you join me at this altar? Let's lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Do you want to be healed? Lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Allow him to touch you. Allow him to speak to you. Will you just begin to give it to the Lord? Will you begin to pray and say, God, I need your healing. I'm tired of dealing with this brokenness. I'm tired of dealing with the same thing over and over and over. I'm tired of viewing your grace in the false way. Way. I want the real true healing that only God gives. Join us at this altar and let's pray. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.